FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 106 of the podcast that goes snick. Snickety snick. We're your hosts. Hostesses. We're the hostesses with the mostesses. We're we're Jason and Denise Venable. No, but listening, you know, being the the editor of the podcast as well as the host, Uh I have to listen to myself a lot. Yes. And I've noticed that I almost always say we're the host and my S kind of gets dropped off like we're one singular host. We are. So I tried to emphasize the S and it just came out like I was drinking too much. <laughs> but we are the same person, baby. Yes. We're the automaton. No, I was just thinking you have a split Or is that automaton? I think you said that automaton, don't you? No, you're a schizophrenic bipolar person. Oh, you're my Tyler Jordan? Yes. I don't know who that is. <laughs> yes, you do. You've seen Fight Club. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Does that make me Brad Pitt? Sure. Okay. You are prettier than me. <laughs> anyway, we're going to focus on the Logan Legacy number two. X-23 gets a spotlight this episode. Yes, she does. So we'll focus on what's going on with her, and then we'll talk about a couple other things, and that'll be it. So, without further ado, let's talk... Back to our short episode. Yes, this is a bonus episode. It'll probably be a little shorty, but um, that's okay. We still get the job done. That's right. It's not about length. (laughs) Okay, so... Here we go. (laughs) All right, so first up... We have The Logan Legacy, number two. Duh. Part duh. And this is going to focus on X-23. This is written by Tim Seeley, with art by Ariella Christentina, colors by Sonia Obach, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, Christentina and Obach do the cover. So on the cover, we have a white background. We have like a shadowy Wolverine with his back to us. And he's got his arms X'd with his claws out. So we see his claws poking out from his shoulders. And then we have X-23 kind of in a fighting pose in front of that in the foreground. Right. Overall, I like the cover. I love how their claws make an X. They're lined up perfectly. Oh, yes. Yes, they do. The only thing I don't like about this cover, and this is not something that happens in the comic, but it's the same artist. I feel like for whatever reason, just on the cover... X-23 looks way too old. She does look like she's probably in her 30s. Or 40s. Mid-30s. But that's my only complaint. Other than that, I like the cover quite a bit. What do you think of the cover? Well, okay, I see where you say you say she looks older. I think it's the position of her face. Yeah. Like the well, angle that it's yes, at. Yes, I agree. And then with the hair, it makes her look like she has a big forehead. Yeah, and it's kind of Medusa-like, and that yeah. adds age and her hips are a little bit wider but overall (laughs) i actually love the way she is drawn in this i have no complaints on the cover or inside on the cover okay well we'll talk about the inside later but i know my last rant i ranted about skimpy clothing and what and overly big boobs and i'm actually thoroughly thrilled about how this female character is drawn yeah, I think I think my one nitpick about the face aside, it's a great cover. Yeah. It's good posing, it's good composition. I dig it. All right, so remember from our Logan Legacy number one, 
We know where everybody's going to end up. So now we're going to see everybody's little stories. And right. this one is X-23. And I got to say, so this Ariella or Ariella Christentina, I'm going to, spoiler alert, I like this art overall. She was one of the jam, quote unquote, jam artists on the last issue of Wolverine and the X-Men. And I don't remember what part she did. I don't either. Or. <laughs> I don't know if I could pick her out. I, yeah, maybe she was, because I don't really know her work. These are the first two things I've ever read of hers. But I like the art in here quite a bit overall. Now let's talk about the story. Uh, basically, we see X-23. They're in the danger room. She's going nuts. And then the other young X-Men are worried about her because she just heard about Wolverine dying. Yeah, she's going through grief. And Angel, her pseudo-boyfriend, is trying to comfort her. And I love this panel. Oh, yeah, where they're... She's kicking some serious butt. Yeah, her pose. The face is a little Mamoon Azrar. I can see that. Which I actually think her style is kind of a nice blend of him and Sarah Pacelli, but with a unique style of her own as well. But it kind of it kind of is in that vein. Yeah. But, but I like it. I like it quite a bit. And she just she looks great. And then Angel's kind of like what? <laughs> yeah. So everyone's trying to comfort her, and she doesn't want to be comforted. And they're all like, but don't you feel... They're all worried that she's like emotionally unresponsive. Right. That's kind of her MO, which she doesn't really go through all her emotions because she's a killing machine from age zero. Okay, so that's... Because I don't know a whole lot about X-23. Yeah, okay. So she was a clone of Wolverine. Right. But So yeah, Wolverine's not her daddy. Not exactly. Wolverine's like her twin-ish, like paternal... He's her, he's her source material. <laughs> But she's not. She doesn't feel sad. She feels angry. She doesn't feel hurt. And then she demonstrates the point by letting a robot stab her through the chest. She's like, what would be new about that? Right. Yeah, but she tells Kitty she's she's not sad. She just, she's angry. She feels almost lied to by Wolverine's death. Yeah. Well, she says that. The Wolverine promised her he would always be there. And, you know, when you have a healing factor, you can make promises like that. And actually kind of intend to mean it. Well, <laughs> you know? I do like, in a weird way, how she explains grief. How there's just no feeling. Right. Like, there's the absence of feeling, which you, when you do go through a deep sense of grief, you do. You have that, I don't, that numb. Like, I know I'm supposed to feel something, but I have no idea what I'm currently feeling. Yeah, but she says that's not where she is, though. Because she says she's, she's not sad. She's not nothing. She's angry. Yeah, but she also goes on later to say that she feels nothing. Right. Like, she doesn't know what she's supposed to feel. Anyway, she said Wolverine was like her role model, her her guardian. Right. Um, and kind of her future. And we get a nice little montage of different stages of X-23's life with her different costumes and different times of Wolverine. That's pretty cool. And she, she talks about how these young X-Men have a future. They see themselves. They see what they become and they can either aspire to that or try to change it and do something different but either right. way it's there and i actually really like this beast no one really draws beast like that but i think it's really cool he's basically got like a really thick mustache and beard yeah i think it's really nice i like his goggles i wish they would draw yeah yeah other people would draw the goggles but no one's ever really because it's not cat beast like we had during the frank quietly days that lasted for a while right it's just like a thick bearded beast i, I right. dig it Anyway, but she says, she says her future that she thought she had to look to was a lie. That basically Wolverine... All right, so he, this is what she says about Wolverine. 
He told me he would always be there. He told me I could forever come to him because he alone would always understand. He said he would always be there to remind me of my true colors shining through. Oh, my goodness. And I believed him because he was Logan, the Wolverine. He was supposed to be immortal, a legend, eternal, unkillable, but he wasn't. He was mortal, finite, following his own dark path inevitably towards death. The Wolverine was just a man, a man wearing blue and gold tights. I love that. I do too. And then she kind of walks out. That's a great, great scene. And then she goes to the Perdition Room in Toronto, which I'm assuming is probably a real club. It's an interesting looking club. It's a goth club. Yeah. And X-23 is gothed out. It's kind of like a hooker. Kind of. When the guy pulls out his wallet, I thought he was... Well, he was. He was He was basically saying, come be my hooker. And she was like, oh, why don't you think about that? We get a, a fake snick or a snick. And she goes, you really want to invite this back to your room? Basically is what she says. Well, and she puts it really close to his junk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Think of what could happen. You know, we could be in the thralls of passion and I could pop these claws while I'm giving you a hand job. And oh, no hand jobs ever again for you. Nope. <laughs> Mr. Winky goes bye-bye. Yep. All right, so here's where we get a little bit of a, a slump in the middle of this comic book. So we get these villains who kill posers. Okay. <laughs> so they come in and decide that these fake goth kids don't really feel pain. I do like their masks. We've seen similar masks to these before in different comic books. But it's basically like a motorcycle helmet with a big smiley face painted on the front. Yeah. Kind of creepy, but kind of cool. Yeah. And um, X-23 gets shot. But, of course, that doesn't stop her. And we get a, a snick again, and she pops her claws. And then she jumps at the guys, and she gets shot some more. And even crushed by a giant cage with a guy in panties. And she likes his panties. Yeah, she does. She compliments his panties. And then this guy in a red cape, who I thought was somebody else, jumps through the ceiling. Not through a skylight, but actually through the ceiling. I'm not fond of his costume with the big arrow. I'm waiting for the sign that says, I'm with Dum Dum. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with Stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is the Chinook. He's apparently a Toronto superhero, a Canadian hero. Um, we find out later he's Windshear, which is an old Alpha Flight guy. Anyway, I, my favorite part about his name is how no one knows what it is. Yeah. What? And they think he's a clam and an oyster. And then X-23 thinks he's, what, a bird? Yeah, something like that. Or no. Or is he a bird and she thinks he's a fish? Yeah. I don't, I don't even know what a Chinook is. It's a bird, oh, She right? thought it was a dog. Okay, yeah. Like Chihuahua. So is it a bird or a fish in I real life? I have no idea. Let's, let's Google that shit. Oh, mighty Google. Here are prayers. It's a helicopter. It's a dog. It's also a tribe. That's, maybe that's what he's referring to, because they lived in the north. Well, because X-23 at some point goes, I and thought you were a dog. It's a way to go sailing. Okay. And it's a seafood restaurant, so maybe it's a fish, too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's the joke, that it means like 90 different things. So why pick that for your name? I'm going to somehow include that word into my new vocabulary. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you, Google. Amen. So anyway, he has different stuff in his costume, and he helps X-23, and they take the bad guys out. He gives her information. Uh, there's this queen pen <laughs> of crime, and he takes her back to his apartment. 
and he explains that he used to be a mutant when he got depowered on M-Day. Then he was an agent for a while. But basically now he's just a guy and he has cancer from his superheroing days. and um, Well, from his super suit. Yes, yeah, like the radiation. And so he's dying. And X-23 is like, well, why are you doing this then? Like, why, are you, why does it even matter? <laughs> oh, he says, he explains that he picked it because Chinook is a type of wind. Okay. He goes, I tried to get out of it, but I wanted to leave something behind. And there was something about my days as windshear that made me feel like bigger and helpful, and I wanted to do that. The silly costume makes me a symbol, not a man. Those bright colors can't be stained by past mistakes and regret. And it kind of gives a, a thesis of why superheroes dress up. Right. It's about the symbol. And I think X-23 kind of registers, oh, well... Wolverine wasn't just a man. He was the Wolverine, even though he was a man. The concept of the Wolverine was bigger than that. Right. And that's his legacy to tie back into the title. Anyway, in this stupid criminals, um, we get a nice full-page splash of X-23 and Chinook busting in as the winds of justice. And then X-23 comes back. I really like this scene, too, because it focuses on Kitty, and she's looking at old pictures of her and Wolverine. She's crying some serious crocodile tears. Oh, yeah. And those are some big water drops on the pictures. And she's like, man. And she's listening to the young accent in the danger room, just being kids. And she's like, was I this obnoxious when I was a teenager? Oh, Logan, how did you ever stand me? And then she hears some uh, stabby-stab cloth stuff. And she looks down and on the couch, she starts to say X. And then she says Laura, like hesitates. And we see that a lot, actually. I don't yeah. know if you've noticed that in all new X-Men, but they do that as well. I think everybody just wants, like, she's X-23, but they're trying to help her feel more with her, like, personal self. Right. Like, not just be the weapon. So it's a conscious decision to try to call her by her name instead of calling her X-23. Right. So they'll start to say, X, oh, I mean, Laura. Yes, our sweet Laura. (laughs) But she comes in and X-23, I'm sorry, I should call her Laura, too. You Uh, should. Yeah. So Laura says, I do not feel angry. I do not feel nothing. I feel like you, Professor K. I feel sad. But there's something else. And she turns around and we see the yellow and blue streaks in her hair. She says, I feel proud. So she's kind of, this little adventure she had kind of put things in perspective for her. Right. And she can mourn, but also be part of the Logan legacy and look up to who he was to her and everybody else and maybe even try to emulate that some. Right. I thought this was a pretty great issue. I didn't like the criminals. No, I didn't I like didn't what they really, were after either. Yeah, their whole reason, like, oh, we're in the, we know real pain. You know, you're posers. You're, you're a bunch of wannabes, whatever. And the Chinook, hmm, eh. kind of lame, but he did make a good point at the end. I think he was a very sage character. I yeah. just, his costume was cheesy. Yes. All right, so what do you think of the art? So I loved it. In fact, I, I really loved how X-23 was drawn, with the exception of her clothes in the nightclub. Okay, so, and we, we, we've talked about this a little bit before. It's consistent with her character. Yeah. But I don't really like it. But I'm not really big into the goth style, so. Well, my thing is, is, so I got a glimpse of, you know, Wolverine found her when she was on the streets selling well, no, her he body. Did, no, he didn't find her at that point. He found out about her later. Anyway, the point is, is 
she got taken off the streets. Right. And she even says in this comic, I don't know who I am, but I know what I was, and I'm not that anymore. Okay, so she says that, but then she continues to dress like a street prostitute. Well, okay, so... My thing is, is if she's not who she was, one of the things in changing is you you don't... You change your appearance. Yeah. You start to respect your body. Or do you claim it and make it something else? Because, I mean, not everyone who dresses like that is a prostitute. No. There are people who dress like that to go out. There are people who dress like that every day, and it's just their style. Right. So if she's saying, just because I went through something bad, do I have to change my style? Maybe that's what she really likes. Yeah, but I would think, I mean. It would would be hard. So, for example, there's not really a good comparison, so never mind. No, um, I guess my point is, is you she can still dress goth. I mean, she wears a skin tight unitard. Right, when she's a hero. Yeah. Right. So her Voltron costume. Right. I can see like a short little mini skirt with fishnets and you know a tank top or a deep V neck shirt, but the the little crop top with the boobs hanging out. Like, I yeah. would just think that she respected herself just a hair more. It's one thing. Okay, so it's one thing to be confident as a woman and dress like that and say, I own this. I am secure in my body to wear these clothes. That's one whole thing. It's another thing if you dress that way to get attention. And it seems like she used to dress that way to get attention so she could... Find the Johns and the the whatnot. And so you right. would think if she doesn't want that lifestyle anymore, want, doesn't want to be with that lifestyle anymore, she can still wear something and own it right? without looking like she's selling it at the same time. <laughs> but wardrobe aside, I still thought even in the wardrobe, she was drawn very well. Yeah, there were a few parts where they, she got a little busty. But for the most part, I thought she was drawn beautifully. No, As I, a female I, character. I also really enjoyed the colors. Yeah, I thought the colors were really, really nice. And we already kind of talked about our thoughts on the story. Did you like the story overall as much as I did? I did. I I loved this wind character, whatever his name is. Windshear or yeah. Chinook or whatever. Yeah, I, I loved the sageness right. of his character. Well, and just all the shit he's been through. Right. But his costume with the arrow, I'm with stupid, like. <laughs> yeah. I, I It's not know. my favorite. And I don't know who designed it. I don't know if that's a costume he's had before or if it was designed. And this is like a brand new personality for him as far as what we're seeing. I don't really know. So for all I know, Ariella may have designed it herself with Tim Seeley. I don't know. Right. But regardless, it's, it's kind of silly. It reminds, I thought it was a whole other character. And there's another guy called, like, Ray or something like that. An old guy from, like, the 70s and 80s. Or maybe, I don't even know if that's when he came about or not. I don't know. Anyway, I, I was like, oh, wait, that's not him. <laughs> so I was a little confused at first. But, um, but, yeah, I also really enjoyed the fact that not only did he have wisdom from his experience, but he had every right to be just a complete pessimist. Right. But he was still optimistic and they didn't really tie that into any particular ideology no it was just that's just who he was right from his you know he remembered the way he felt when he was a hero and he wanted to have that again and now that he's dying he wanted to have it even more to like leave something positive behind 
Right. That's, I thought it was really cool. Really nice. It is. I like it. Um, all right. So you correct me if I'm, I've misread previous podcasts and conversations. Okay. But I feel like you've kind of been on the fence about X23 up to this point. Yes. Does this make you swing more one way or the other? This particular comic makes me like her character more. I, I think would it's agree. because I thought it was a great portrayal. Yeah, plus I love the little I mean, it's not much, but it's when she she slashes through the the dancing cage and she goes, Hi, I like your panties <laughs> and then it keeps on going. Like it's right. that okay, so she's not just robotic. And I think right. that was my issue is she was so robotic in other comic books that it's like I can't get into her because she's yeah. she reminded me of uh, Star Trek's data. <laughs> well, but data, she's a cold, emotionless killing machine. I know, but even no, but no, but I'm, yeah, I agree though, and I think data had that sense of like I'm I'm a child because I'm trying to figure things out, and she had nothing. No, I agree. I I'm I'm glad to see her coming back into her own under some some good writers and actually developing a character. Yeah, and I'm. Um, I'm excited to see what, I'm hoping she'll be involved in the Wolverines miniseries because I'd really like to see what Charles Soule does with her. And I've been enjoying what Bendis has been doing. I'd like to see a little more focus on her right. in all new X-Men because I think Bendis, being such a great writer, could really do a lot. And I think he will and is. We just haven't quite got there yet. I mean, he hasn't been dealing with her that long. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see her, see if she can finally kind of be a little more of a, the realized character I think maybe she could have been this whole time. Right. So what do you want to grade the Logan Legacy number two? I'm going to give it five out of six. And the only thing that's cutting it from being six out of six is the wind character. <laughs> Again, I love him as a sage. I just, I don't, I don't love his costume and I don't love who he's after. That's, it was weak. Yes, I agree. I'm also going to give Logan Legacy number two five out of six claws. Because I thought the villains were stupid. Yes, they were. And not in a good, like, oh, classic comic book cheesy way. No, just in a horrible after-school special kind of way. Yes. Like villain, like a, a gang that goes around killing people for being posers sounds like a high school student writing a movie script. So anyway, we're both going to give The Logan Legacy number two five out of six claws. And I would say we're both pretty stoked about seeing where X-23 goes next. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, hey, now it's time for our segment. Hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? Yeah. And we're going to talk about Amazing X-Men number 12, World War Wendigo part five, the conclusion. Written by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. Pencils by Carlo Barbary and Ivancello, maybe? maybe? Quello? I don't know how you would say that. I don't think it's Coello. No. That sounds weird. Unless that's really your name, and then it doesn't sound weird at all. But the inks are also by Ivan Cello, Mark Deering, Livesey, and Walden Wong. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. The cover is by Barbary and Rosenberg. And this cover is said after Arthur Adams. So it's a classic X-Men cover that Arthur Adams drew. I don't remember which one it is. But Barbara did a nice homage to it. I think this is a great cover. As the X-Men, the amazing X-Men, poised for battle, being attacked by a flock of Wendigos. What do you think of the cover? It's interesting. I think it's great. It's, uh, we've seen better. Okay. 
Right, so basically remember that the Wendigo curse has found a way, thanks to the demon in the spirit world, to cross the borders, and he wants to take over the whole earth, and he eats Guardian, which, if you've ever seen any movie where a hero gets eaten by a big monster, you know what's going to happen at the end. Um, but the X-Men are losing. Then, uh, Wendigo Wolverine stabby-stabs Colossus in a full-page splash. Um, that's a pretty okay panel. And everyone's turning, everyone's getting bitten, including North Star and Aurora. And then the monster captures Iceman, or Snowbird, Rockslide, Firestar, and Storm. And Iceman comes along, and our art changes. And then Storm, they get free, Iceman breaks them free. Storm talks to the other gods that were defeated and says, you're going to make us gods, okay? Okay, capiche? So then they attack. Storm's an electric god. Rockslide's an elemental god. Firestar's a fire god. And Iceman's an ice god. Got it? And they attack the big demon and he just laughs. But then Guardian, remember he got swallowed, busts his way out of the demon's chest in a very ugly panel. Not because it's gross and violent. It's because he looks dumb. Anyway, when the demon dies, supposedly the Wendigo curse is banished forever. <gasps> and everyone turns back to normal. But they're not really okay. And then Colossus wakes up and Wolverine's at his side. Doing his bedside manner. Didn't even bother to change clothes. He's still in a ripped up uniform. Hey, at least he has clothes on. His Wendigo didn't have clothes. And then, in a very dun-dun-dun, uh-oh panel, the Wolverine thanks Colossus for stopping him from killing his own friends. And Colossus says, what are friends for? Let us hope the worst is finally behind us. Wink, wink, because you're already dead. <laughs> so the worst is not behind us. <laughs> right, so Barbary's art I like. The other guy had some cool panels. Like his Iceman saving the day panel was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not fond of some of the colors. Yeah, the colors didn't change though, did they? Well, Rosenberg did it the whole book, but it looks so much better on Barbary's art than it did on the other guy's yeah, art. Yeah, it almost made me feel like there were two colors. It's, what it, it's how it felt, yes. Yeah. All right, so my takeaway from this book, I thought this story got really dumb, really fat. It just kept getting dumber and dumber. And this felt like a really crappy old Alpha Flight story. I didn't really enjoy it. I felt the, like they went down a path and they were like, ooh, we got to finish it. Done. I will say the saving grace for this story for me, because last time it was North Star. Right. And he was still good in this issue, but I really enjoyed Rock Slide in this issue. And would like to see him yeah. become a more prominent, like, X-Men. I hope he becomes part of the regular amazing team, instead of just the kid at the school who kind of is in a panel here and there. I, got, I don't know. I kind I of, there wasn't anything that saved this for me. I like that he's this big, like, giant rock guy. He's pretty awesome, but he's just like a, a softy goofball. Yeah. Like, I know that's kind of, maybe that's kind of the obvious, like... Anyway, I thought he was... Really, I'd like to see him be a little more active in the X-Books. Okay, well, anything else you want to talk about? No, can I grade it? Yeah, what are you going to grade Amazing X-Men number 12? I'm going to give it three out of six, and that's being overly generous. Yeah, I'm only going to give it two out of six claws. Yeah. I'm glad it's over. Glad this story's over. The first issue of this story was really fun. And then it just kind of kept getting it, worse and worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like you said one time. It started off as like this possible X-Files type right. story. And then it just, it you went downhill from there. I won't say it got worse because that's not nice. It got less and less to my taste. Because if people really like this like 
Canadian Alpha Flight Spirit World stuff, then maybe this is a story for you. Eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. That's my A on this right. one. Anyway, <laughs> this was our segment. Hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? That's right. Okay, so last up, we're going to have a little Axis update. We'll have two issues that have Sabretooth in them. That'll be Axis number three and Deadpool number 36. Axis number three, the Red Supremacy chapter three, Good News for Bad People. This is a great title. Anyway, it's written by Rick Remender with pencils by Leno Francis Yu, inks by Gary, or Jerry maybe, Alan Gwynn, colors by Matt Mio, Lauren Martin, and Edgar Delgado. Chris Eliopoulos is the letterer. And then the cover is by Jim Chung and Justin Ponsor. And the cover, this time the axis is straight vertical and on one side we have the heroes the avengers and on the other side we have the heroic villains with magneto yeah and they're all all getting ready to fight they're all charging in pretty good cover pretty nice so basically uh we start off with the book from deadpool's perspective and can i just say it was really nice to see reminder's deadpool back i really like the way reminder draws deadpool he's funny but not too silly I mean, he is silly, but he's not too silly. Anyway, he's trying to recharge Iron Man and uh, get himself inducted into the Avengers. Um, the rest of the villains attack the giant adamantium sentinels. I like because Sabretooth's up on one of the shoulders, uh, scratching at the head. It looks very much like when Wolverine would attack the sentinels and kind of slice at the, at the necks and the heads of the sentinels. So since he's kind of the Wolverine counterpart on this team of, of doing good guys, it makes it's just a cool little nod. Anyway, they attack the Sentinels, and they're doing all right. There's a lot of good villainous monologuing here by Reminder. It looks pretty great. And then we see Quentin Quire and Evan. And Quire, of course, is trying to hold the Red Skull out of all the villains' minds. He has a telepathic net. And uh, there's a really cool scene where old-school Captain America fights Red Skull. Red Skull's like, oh, good. I don't know how this happened, but I'm glad I get to beat you. Beating up on Grandpa Rogers wasn't going to be, uh, it was going to be a little anticlimactic. But of course, it turns out the young Captain America is really mystique. Then Enchantress actually is able to enchant him. And Sabretooth tears up some more Sentinel. But uh, one of the Sentinels is about to blast the Enchantress. But the Absorbing Man, who turned himself adamantium, breaks through it. But then the spells broke. And Red Skull also is able to finally overtake Quentin Quire. And he gets inside everybody's head. And so the villains turn back super bad. And now they're doing what Red Skull wants. And Sabretooth is going to kill Evan. But right before he does, Deadpool stabs him. <laughs> He goes, then I saw your face. Now I'm an Avenger. <laughs> and he stabs Sabretooth with two katana blades in the chest. And Sabretooth lays down. You know he's going to heal, but not right away. And we get a, a nod to uh, the return of Scarlet Witch. Her and Doom mouth off to each other a little bit. And they perform the inversion spell. And so the heroes are fighting with each other. They have Red Skull's body, but they think Professor X is inside there, especially if the spell worked. So the X-Men want to take him away, but the Avengers say, nope, he's still Red Skull, he's still super dangerous. We'll find out if Professor X is still in there, but we got to take him back. We can get the body. Cyclops and Captain America uh, Falcon face off. They square off. 
say, you know, we've progressed nowhere. It's still mutant versus human. This is our, we got to make this right. We got to do this, this, after everything we've been through, if our leading mutant, if our mentor is in there, we got to save him. You can't do it. And then Havoc steps up and says, hey, I'm the, I'm the co-leader of this team. I, my brother's right. But then old man Rogers shows up and he says, I respect your, your input, your decision, your opinion, but we got to take him. And we'll do everything we can to find Charles if he's in there and get him back to you. But right now, I'm asking you to stand down. And then Havoc's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> but then, oh man, turn the page and Evan is full on apocalypse. Not in mind, but in body. He's all hulked up. <laughs> and then Deadpool's like, dude, bro, where you lift? Or he says, bro, diddly. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is a very interesting turn. Uh, the Evans, he's full size. But he says, I can see Professor Xavier is still dead. The body is just the Nazi. So Havoc says, fine. Cap, or old man, or both, you take the body, but this isn't what I signed up for. This, I thought we were on equal footing. We're not. And this isn't unity, it's tyranny. I thought you of all people would know the difference. He says, I'm going home. And then another big twist. He says he made a mistake trusting humans, including Janet. But he, he looks, they both look sullen as they separate. But he looks down and the, the Quinjet closes with Janet inside. And that's where we leave off. Holy shit. Fantastic. Lots of twists and turns and who knows what's going on. And wow. Yeah. Art's pretty good. I don't really like the way you draws Havoc. Everybody else is pretty good, and, you know, I like you. When he's at the top of his form, he's a really good artist, and this is pretty close to the top of his form. I was really impressed. Havoc aside, I don't know, he just looked too scrawny sometimes, and then his little, his scarred face looked, like, super bulbous. Like, yeah, like he's one of those big head villains, you know, with the super evil brain when they have giant craniums. It was weird looking. Other than that, I thought the art was great. Um, and the story just, oh my gosh, wow, really good. And it's not just the plot, which the plot's cool. I mean, they defeat Red Skull, they do this inversion spell, we know there's stuff coming after that. But really, it's, it's all the personal stuff. It's Evan being big apocalypse now. Um, Janet and Havoc breaking up. The Uncanny Avengers breaking up, it appears, you know, with Havoc resigning. Just Wow. Yeah, this this issue had a lot of wow factor for me. If you've been reading what Remender's been doing, then there's a lot here that seems to be kind of undone. Is this paving the road to Evan finally turning, or is he just going to be more powerful now? I don't know. But anyway, um, I'm going to give Axis number three six out of six claws. I loved it. Deadpool number 36 on his Axis. <laughs> Written by Brian Posehn and Jerry Dugan. Penciled by Mark Hawthorne. Eat by Terry Pallet. Colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by VCs Josephino. And the cover by David Nakayama. And I hope I said everybody's name right. I'm not really confident that I did, but I gave it my best shot. On the cover, we have Deadpool trying to um, charge up Bumblebee Iron Man with an iPod charger. Really great. I actually love this cover quite a bit. So basically, in the book, we catch up with all the stuff that's going on with Deadpool. He found his daughter. He has um, that weird nightcrawler guy from the, the Korean mutant camp and Agent Preston. So we kind of catch up with him real fast. And then um, we find out that he's been he's donating his organs to these Korean X-Men POWs that were given mutant 
genetic material. And, um, you know, because he can just grow new organs with the Z-Wave factor, so he's going to give them his because they need it. So basically, this takes place. This catches Deadpool right up and through, so far, his involvement in Axis. He's recruited by Magneto. He goes and fights. While he's fighting, we see um, that he makes out. Which not makes out. He gives Sabretooth CPR on two different occasions. That's kind of funny. And then in the end, we actually get more of what's coming up in Axis than we did in the concurrent issue of Axis. We get we learn more about what the inversion is. Carnage is all nice. He's like, hi, Wayne. And Nightcrawler's a dick. Tells Deadpool he can't ride home on the X-Jet on the Blackbird. So it looks like not only are the villains going to be good guys now, but some of these heroes that were there, at least on the island, are going to be not so nice anymore. So that's... So it's a two-way inversion. Anyway, and Deadpool gets home. He's going to be super nice. And we have Zen Deadpool is driving the car, so to speak. <laughs> so the art was not bad. Um, and the story was typical Deadpool fare. It was funny at points, obnoxious at points. You know, just kind of, it's Deadpool. <laughs> so I'm going to give Deadpool number 36... Uh, I'll give it three out of six claws. So anyway, that is our Axis update. Sabretooth is in there a little bit. Didn't really do too much. Tried to kill Evan. That's probably the main thing. And then, and then the nice little Wolverine nod when he's fighting the Sentinel. Um, and Deadpool is just kind of a joke. <laughs> but most everybody in Deadpool is just kind of a joke. So anyway, but that's our Axis update. Okay, so that's going to do it for episode 106. Sneakity snake. Our bonus episode that spotlights X-23. Yeah, I don't know what it'll be next. The next Logan Legacy episode is Sabretooth. But then there's Ooh. also some other death tie-ins like the Captain America and Deadpool issue. And the Life After Logan issue. Life After Logan? Yeah, it's the after-school special about uh, the death of Wolverine. Oh, I thought it was Wolverine's afterlife. No, no, no. It's, I think it's just several. Wolverine in heaven. No, I think it's several different characters like, oh, what are we going to do now? I have a great comic. Wolverine in heaven. Wolverine in heaven. Where he's a crotchety old grump. Yeah, and he's he teams up with uh, Angel Xavier. No, and I think Xavier. he teams up with uh, Michael Landon. Yes. Xavier decides he's going to get all of his dead X-Men back together. <laughs> in heaven. In heaven to fight all the rogue angels that are up in heaven. Sounds it's going to have a cool name like, uh, what was the show with Landon? Highway to heaven. Highway to heaven. So it's going to be Snickway to heaven. Nope, not going to happen. <laughs> I love it. I think we should pitch it. Y'all should make it, Marvel. Totally don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for. The Wolverine in Heaven issue. All right, well. Um, white gosling robes. <laughs> Ryan gosling robes. White gosling robes. Yeah. I can't quit picturing Ryan gosling in a robe. <laughs> um, anyway, um, please uh, like the Facebook page. Leave an iTunes review. Please. Show notes are at snickcast.podbean.com. Twitter is at snickcast. We don't have an email. That's snickcast at yahoo.com. Because so nobody emails it. Don't send anything there. I'm just going to my spam folder. <laughs> no, just kidding. If you send an email, I will read it on the podcast. Unless it sucks. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and then we can do what Walking Dead does and just make fun of it. Uh, in the letters pages, you mean? Yeah. In the comment? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.